Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best life and how you can figure out how to do it too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Ray Lowe. And this morning, I'm operating out of my own living unit at the Willow Valley uh, Country Club. How's that? And uh, I'm here with Cecily Laidman and Brian Gersh, and we're going to talk a little bit about something interesting. I, I have no idea, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to involve the luckiest people in the world. And the luckiest people in the world are those people that we've defined as those people who invent their own lives. They go out of their way to create a life based on what they want to do. And then they step into it and they live it under their own terms. And you're going to see today that we have Brian and Cecily, both of whom are the luckiest people in the world, because they just bowl through life under their own terms and don't let too much get in the way. Uh, the name of our uh, podcast is Changing the Rules, and this is one of the things that the luckiest people in the world have to deal with and have to get control of, because everybody in our lives throw rules at us. And if you haven't noticed, we went to school. This is, this is going to hit home with Brian later. The schools threw rules at us. Our parents threw rules at us. The church throws rules at us. Our jobs throw rules at us. And you know, when you're living your life under somebody else's rules, guess what? It's not your own life. So the luckiest people in the world have to figure out how to take those rules and make them work for them so that they maintain the structure of rules, but they maintain it under their own terms. So Cecily has been our co-host for the month of September. And Cecily, thank you for doing all the work for me this month. I appreciate it. Oh, Ray, it was my pleasure. You do all the work. I just and, uh... and, and Cecily, I met about 10 years ago. She is the chief cook and bottle washer at Springpoint Choice, which up to this point has been my long-term care unit. Right. And, and, and Cecily, I have to tell you that once I made the decision to become part of Spring Point Choice, uh, it gave me the confidence to know that I was protected for the rest of my life. Yep. And it allowed me then to go back and make some decisions that I felt I needed to make as I go through life to live my life the way I want to. So I yep, will be forever great. indebted. That's not a marketing pitch, is it? Of course not. No, it's a great, <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I changed the rules by doing um, this in this in this industry. Um, this is a or this is a program that does change the rules instead of um, the wonderful, beautiful community that both of you live in. Um, some people would prefer to just stay in their homes. So I'm kind of a rule changer in that respect, and um, also just addressing what a lot more people um, really would like to do. So. I thank you, Ray, for being part of the program for as long as you have been. Well, it's 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 a wonderful program, and it's been and always will be a significant part of my life. So let's introduce Brian over here. Okay, so Brian, the first thing I have to tell you is that my secretary misspelled your name. She has you in my system as Brain. Well, misnomer. <laughs> brain, brain Gersh. So yeah. I think that puts this in perspective, okay? Yeah, I've had those misspellings since sixth grade. It, it, the error was very clear from that point forward. 
So, so let's go back into time a little bit and talk about your previous life as to where you are to kind of set a perspective, because Brian's going to tell us, Cecily, about his journey from uh, where he was at work and in mm-hmm. you know, raising kids and all of those great things to where he is now and where he's going. And uh, Brian, you were a teacher, educator. School principal. Uh, worked, worked worked for a school system. Uh, did all of the above and then some. Um, my my wife and I both graduated in in uh, degrees in education, elementary and secondary. Both of us taught for a short period of time in in real classrooms. Um, and then shortly into that career, um, I moved into school administration. Um, probably for twenty plus years, school principal for fourteen. Um, where I really wanted to be was personnel administration. And I worked in a, a large county school system with not uh, 9,000 employees. And, oh, wow. Uh, and then wow. Was, and my, my, my last seven years were staffing 45 elementary schools. Uh, and that's really where I wanted to be in the first place. It just took a long time to get there. Uh, Dottie um, worked, worked through the classroom, seven years of motherhood, uh, reading teacher, uh, then several supervisory positions that were countywide in, in this same very large county uh, in Maryland. Um, and, and she was finally loaned to the state of Maryland to run a, a statewide early childhood program. She retired from it. So we were both employees of the same school system for our, our careers. Uh, but went different paths, um, and we were both glad to retire around 2003. Uh, we, we left Maryland and began retirement number one um, in eastern North Carolina, uh, where we lived in, a, in a, a development that was locally referred to as Yankee Stadium. <laughs> but it, when it was developed, it was marketed to, to both sides of, of Long Island Sound, and we were all Connecticut people, Rhode Island people, Long Island people, Jersey people. And uh, the Southerners of Eastern Carolina were glad to see us impounded because they really didn't like to see us around. But um, we had a wonderful retirement there for 15 years. Uh, it was almost a waterfront community with canals and docks and marinas and that kind of stuff. Oh, where in North Carolina, where, where was it? Uh, if if you it, it specifically it was it was New Bern, which is the which was the colonial capital of the Carolinas yep. colony. Uh, it's about thirty five miles inland from from the lower Outer Banks, and it's at the confluence of a couple of rivers that go to Pamlico Sound and then on mm-hmm. into. Oh, I know Pamlico Sound. Definitely. Yeah, we were there because of the sailing. We had been sailing uh, on the Chesapeake Bay for decades. Uh, had a big uh, cruising sailboat that uh, we took with us to the Carolinas, but we had we had to go someplace where we could keep on sailing and cruising. New Bern was the place, uh, and and dur- during that period of time, uh, my mom and dad, uh, who who were in Pennsylvania, had lived and worked in Pennsylvania, had had moved from their home of. Uh, like 50 years into a continuing care community and media PA on the southwest side of Philly and were there for 32 years. Um, almost all of that was independent living in their apartment. Wow. Dad lived to 100 and a half, so he was there for a long, long time. 
And and over over the period of 30 plus years that they were in in their continuing care place, uh, my brother and I both very very quickly realized the value uh, to them, uh, to our to our parents uh, being in place like that, uh, but also the value to us as as their offspring, not having to worry about them or not necessarily not to care for them. Uh, but just not to have to worry about their care. And independent of each other, I, we both uh, I eventually knew that, that we'd, we'd be making the same type of decision. Uh, I was fortunate that my, my brother did all the research, and, and uh, probably close to 10 years ago now, he visited, I think, 17 continuing care places uh, between PA and Florida. And called me one time down the Carolinas. Hey, you got to come up to Pennsylvania to take a look at this place, Willow Valley. So my wife and I drove up here one time, and that one time was the deciding factor. Uh, we had been aware of other places, uh, had been around and in other places, and this place just seemed to be quite fit for us. So, so your brother did all your work for you. He did, right? He did. Uh, nice, uh, nice guy. <laughs> And I'm glad for that. And he actually lives here also. He moved in here. He's, he's three years younger than myself, but he moved in here a year and a half ahead of me. So he's been here about four and a half years. We are now uh, entering year four of LA communities. Can we, can we go back a little bit and talk about the, uh, the, the, the retirement experience and uh get some insight from you about why you made the decisions that you made. Uh, were they the right decisions? Going back in retrospect, would you change things? What we're trying to do here is give people who are thinking about changing into the next phase of their life some insight as to how to do this. Uh, I... I... There are probably are, are two phases of consideration. One was the actual retirement decision of moving in, into retirement in the first place. And the second would have been going from retirement A to retirement B, where, where we are right now. Um, it, it's, it's, it's awkward to, to talk publicly about, about the decision to retire. Um, I was in a position that I loved and in a position that I had, had, had geared my entire career towards, that of staffing the, the 45 elementary schools uh, in a very, very large school system. Uh, the work was getting harder and harder. It was uh, getting harder as, as it is right now across the country to find qualified teachers in the quantity that, that we needed for this very, very large system. And I was putting in longer and longer hours um, where over, over the seven years that I, I had this position, uh, first it was an eight or 10 hour day, and seven years later, it was 16 and 17 hour days, trying to keep those, all those positions staffed. Uh, my wife was two years behind me in, in her retirement goal because she had taken off time with the kids. And our plan always had been that that we would start working on the same day and we'd retire on the same day. Uh, so in my mind, I still had two more years to go uh, in what was becoming a very, very demanding position, all consuming position 
And somewhere along the way, my wife said, you know, you're going to kill yourself doing this thing. And is it really is it worth the risks that you're taking, the, the pressures you're putting on yourself? And I never thought about that. I was an organization guy dedicated to, to the people and the, that I served and the organization that I within which I worked. Um, and leaving early was never a consideration. But, but when she started talking about health and family welfare and that kind of stuff, um, I started to recognize the wisdom that, that maybe getting out after 35 years was better than struggling for two more and leaving on the same day after 37. So I did retire early, and that was, that, that, that was a game changer for, for us. Uh, it was not something we had anticipated. It was a plan we had uh, 37 years in the making. Um, and I basically bailed out two years early. She worked two more. I worked part-time, uh, became the house husband, and uh, she just loved every minute of those two years. <laughs> I did the, uh, okay. the vacuuming and shopping and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but as we were approaching uh, her final two years in, in my retirement, uh, we had to make some decisions about whether we stay in the community that had been home for 35 years, uh, or we move on. And, and uh, it was almost an easy decision to make. Uh, we, 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 had, we moved into a brand new home and a new development uh, where everybody was the same age and having children the same age. And everyone knew all the kids on the street, knew the parents on the street. Uh, but as the decades passed and the kids disappeared, uh, I think the parents must have been doing what we were doing, uh, working harder, longer, and isolating ourselves more. And the, the sense of community disappeared. The sense of belonging uh, disappeared. We were just focused on our jobs. Um, so we were looking for something that, that would, would give us like a, a restoration of, of who we were and enthusiasm for life and begin to explore and do things differently. And that's where we, where we discovered the, this little development down in New Bern, North Carolina, um, that featured water and golf and all these expatriates from, from the Long Island Sound area. And there we had an opportunity to reinvent ourselves. And if you're talking about changing, changing rules, I mean, for us, it was, it was, it was life-changing to, to be the, the organization man for, for 37 years. All of a sudden, have an opportunity to to define who we wanted to be, how we want, how we wanted to structure our time, and and uh, we had opportunities for community leadership, uh, huge opportunities for community involvement, uh, social and otherwise recreational, and it was a wonderful experience. And everyone around us were were having similar experiences, having just retired from places up north. And, for fun in the sun or out on the water or out on the golf course. Um, but but uh, as, as, that, as those years became 13, 14, and 15, uh, we, we, we started, we were probably, probably the, the first in our social network in that community to, to publicly start talking about what's next and do we really want to, to stay in, in the custom home that we built and and designed, it was just really lovely, uh, and stay there forever, uh, or find a place where, much like my mom and dad experienced, 
where our two kids wouldn't have to worry about us. And it was, it was that uh, factor that, that caused us to start, start thinking about what, what should happen next. And it was, it was the, the, the concern for our kids. My, my mom, going, going back a long, long ways, uh, in her probably 40s and 50s, spent 15 to 18 years caring first for her mother, then for her mother-in-law, and then for her father-in-law. And it was just continuous out of the home uh, treks to, to, their, to, to my grandparents' homes to care for them almost on a daily basis. And she had vowed that, that her two kids, my brother and myself, would, would never have to have that experience. And it was for that reason that back in the, in the 70s and very early 80s, she started looking for these continuing care places. And, and they were very, very happy where, where they went. And my brother and I were happy for them and pleased that, that we didn't have to go through the ordeal my mom did. So here we, you know, we moved several decades further down the road, and, and now we're, my, my wife and I are, are having those same conversations of what we do to look out for, for our children as, as we age. And thankfully, my brother did the research, which was great. Uh, yeah. so we, then, we then moved into retirement number two, coming here. But that was a, a, a Ray, that was a five-year plan. And, and Knowing what we were going to do, having to downsize dramatically from a very large home to what is this as a large apartment, actually. Um, but it required a lot of dispossessing of, of things we accumulated over decades and decades, selling off my boat of 25 years. So <laughs> that was a tough one. Uh, we made up for that here, though, because I bought a smaller racing boat and still race on the Susquehanna River with a bunch of old guys from from our community, the crew, and two nights ago, got a first, second, second, and three raises. Okay, good for you. So, yeah. you know, redefining continued. Um, when, when we got here, it's starting all over again. When we moved to North Carolina, it was starting all over again, and getting involved with that community and its activities and its social networks. And then here, 15 years later, doing the very same thing, starting all over again. Getting involved with activities, getting involved with social networks, creating activities uh, for things that we couldn't find here that we wanted. Uh, my wife, for example, uh, tonight, uh, this afternoon, will be teaching line dancing to a class of six, 60 line dancers who, who are all our similar age. And boy, they, they put up some energy in two hours of serious line dancing. Um, I also uh, started a, a ski club. Uh, it started out as a club of one and then became a ski club of two. And this last winter, we were a ski club of three. So <laughs> hopefully that ski club will continue to grow exponentially. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that's one of the really interesting things about you and Dottie is that you, uh, <clears throat> you do what you want to do. I mean, you can, you can merge yourself in all the activities that are here, and there are tons of that. But, but uh, that's both good and bad in the retirement community. I think, I think the thing to do is to make sure you don't lose your identity and that you do what you want to do. And I know we would find it difficult to navigate in here if we didn't have the two of you as our mentors. And I know it's Donnie's job, not yours, but guess what? You're in. 
whether you like well, it or not. But we, we, we all, Ray, we all benefit from the people that surround us. And uh, each time we've made a, a transitional move, uh, whether it was North Carolina or here, uh, you suddenly find yourself surrounded by people who want to welcome you, uh, include you in, in their activities, introduce you around, make you feel at home. And I don't know if that's just an unusual, unusual characteristics of that North Carolina community and this one. I, I hope that's true everywhere you go. Uh, but our transitions have been easy ones, made easy by the, by the people who welcome us and make us feel a part of a community that, that we now call home. We're unfortunately we're getting near the end of our time. Cecily, do you have any questions for Brian or comments? Well, no, I was gonna say it's really interesting hearing your story, Brian, because it looks like your parents definitely set the example. Oh, absolutely. Where you were going. And um having worked both in uh continuing care retirement communities as well as the program I'm in now, that's I would say when I started talking to people, if their parents had been in one. And yours, I mean, it sounds exemplary um, experience since they had been there for so long. Um, so that must have helped. And the other thing I'm, um, I like hearing is I'm always concerned. I mean, being in this industry, I've noticed that people who work longer live longer or at least are challenged. And I see your transitions and being able to pick up roots and change again, that Revital, it's like starting over again, and that revitalizes you. And so I, I, I admire what you, what you and your wife have have done, and um, how you you know kept it going. Yeah. I, I do know want to go back to the very very beginning of this conversation, where Ray introduced himself and the three of us as the, or the two of you as the luckiest people in the world. Uh, my brother actually refers to me as the luckiest person in the world. So the ownership of that phrase is, is to be disputed. And one of the reasons is that when we sold our house in North Carolina uh, and moved out of 24 hours after, after we moved out, a new occupant moved in, and 21 days later, that house was flooded by Hurricane Florence and gutted the, the interior of the house. And had we stayed uh, an extra 21 days, or had I had I forced a negotiation into, into stalemate, we would have been in that house 21 days later, and I would not be sitting here. Okay, you win. Today, you're the winner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, what you got to do, Brian, is get the LLC after the luckiest guy in the world. But, but you know, there are there are a whole lot of the luckiest people in the world. And, and uh, for different reasons. Yeah, for, for different reasons. We all create our own path, but, but the important thing is that we create our own path. And one of the greatest things is being able to hang out with other lucky people because, you know, you don't get the downers. It's life becomes an upper all the way through. Right. And, uh, right. exactly. and, and that's been my experience here, and that's been part of the experience that you've helped me grow into. So again, before we have to cut off the uh, the switch here, do you have any last comments that you want to make? Yeah, if, if, if whoever is out there, you have when you look at your glass, always presume your glass is half full, and never look at it as half empty. That when when people ask me how, how is my day going, I'm having the best day ever, and and I say that all the time. It sickens my brother because he hates to hear it. But every day is the best day ever. And if it isn't, then you're doing something wrong and you need to fix it. And 
make every day something stimulating for you. That's cool. And and so thank you for being our guest today. You are definitely one of the luckiest people. Well, thank you very much. I'm not going to give you the supreme title, though. Mine is the luckiest guy in the world, LLC. You don't ah. have that. <laughs> I'm just the guy that, that got that tag from his brother. Uh, it, it, I was on the last flight out of, out of Australia before they shut down Australia uh, 18 months ago. So wow. good luck in there, too. Yeah, and and Cecily, thank you for a month of wonderful guests and podcast people and and for kind of leading this last four weeks where we talked about how people can make this transition. And uh, if you haven't gone back and heard any of the past podcasts, we had uh, Margaret Novick uh, on recently. We had a young lady from the Axe communities, different Sorry, than Valley, different than you are. Uh, and, and Cecily and I had some time during the first week to talk a little bit about this whole concept of planning your future and making sure that the glass is half full always. All right. So Brian, thanks again for being with us. Welcome. And if you, you guys will join us next week, we're going to go into another phase uh, we're going to be talking, uh, Bill Hughes is going to be our co-host, and he's going to bring in a whole other interesting cadre of people to talk talk to. So, uh, Taylor, thanks for uh, being in the background there, and sign us off. Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best life and how you can figure out how to do that, too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's going to have to be.